And I bought the Aunt Bessies, and I got them, and I put them out of the freezer, and I put them in, I thought, we're having, we're having those today. Seventeen? Seventeen. That's a lot of Yorkshire pudding. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Thank you, Anthony. Thank That's, you. you went down to Lymington, didn't you? Lymington, yes. It's pretty, isn't it? It's beautiful. Isn't it pretty? The river, is it the river Humble, Hamble? River uh, Hamble. I see it because of the fog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have the best weather. <laughs> All smugglers used to come up yes. there. Luckily, old smugglers, I say. Anyway, thank you. Nice to have your company. Welcome along to the uh, to the programme. Anyway, do you know, I was just... I, know, I, was, I, had a, I had a mental block then. I sort of sat down and I was thinking, I watched this programme on the television this morning. Now, I know it's been on before, but I didn't see it. And I know it's been on because you all wrote to me about it. And it was a programme called... Forgot the title of it. But I, it, it, it's... You'll know what it is. It's called... Oh! 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 It's called the... Thank you. It's called the Monkey Mothers. And it's women in America and couples who adopt baby monkeys and treat them like babies. It was the most abusive animal programme I'd ever seen. There was a woman who was a a recognised breeder in America, and she had all these monkeys in cages in a garage. The house was a tip. I've never seen anything like that. If you go to a place and you're going to buy an animal, you want it to look, you know, the place to look nice. This was just a dump. And she had these monkeys. She said, don't don't go near the the cages, because they put their hands through and grab. Normally, monkey babies, when they're born, bond for a year with their mother. Three days, she takes them away, and she sells them for $4,000 each. And this couple, young couple, they seem perfectly normal until you realise that most of these people who, who buy these little monkeys think they're children, and they treat them like children, to, to the point of they dress them up in little baby clothes. This couple go there, they've got an overnight bag with nappies, you have to cut a little hole in the nappy to put the tail through, because you can't just let them poo and wheel over the place. They're animals. They're, they're wild animals, irrespective of what you think they are. And the more I watched this programme, the more horrendous it became. There was one woman, and she dressed it up, and she's going, oh, and they talk to them. They talk to them as if they're little children. It's a monkey. She gives it all the wrong food. Uh, it gets worse and worse and worse. She takes it at one point into a toy shop, and they start trying to pick out toys. And, the, and then she, when she takes it into a baby clothes shop... Quite clear that the people who shop in this baby clothes shop, most of them were toothless wonders, and that was the women. A lot of tattoos and trailer trash. And they're all going, oh, God, that's really cute, that is. And she goes, she's called Jessica. She's just really cute and does this. And she talks to it like it understands what's going on. And then she went to go into a restaurant with it. She's got it in a baby buggy with sort of mesh around it. And the woman in the, in the, the restaurant quite clearly goes, I'm sorry, we're not allowed animals in here. Because this woman mentally deficient, thinks it's a baby. And it's not, it's an, it's a monkey. It's a capuchin monkey. And she's paid four, $4,000 for this thing. And she takes it in and the woman says, I'm sorry, we'll lose our licence. She can't have an animal in here. You know, I know, dear, you might think it's a baby, but let me tell you, just dressing it up, don't make it a baby. So this woman goes, well, I certainly shan't be eaten here again. And I thought, thank God for that. She's driving in the car over here. You'd have, you'd have taken her off the road. She's driving one-handed. She thinks that the monkey has taken some tablets out of her bag and eaten them okay because monkeys open touch they take go to the safari parks you'll find out they take aerials trim off cars whole lot and um and so she's driving with one hand the monkey is crawling all over the car and over the steering wheel she's driving down the road and she phones up the monkey whisperer she says oh hi sylvie okay listen i think jessica has taken one of the uh, the tablets out of my bag can you can you ask her if she's done this well, by this time, I thought, oh, perhaps I need to be on drugs. So she then puts the phone to the monkey's ear. This woman says something. 
And there's, there's total silence. And she gives the phone back. She goes, listen, she said she didn't take the sweets and she wants you to know that she didn't take any tablets out. Your... I thought you were as balmy as I think you are. She didn't take any. And if you look down in the car, it'll be tucked in there somewhere. So reassured by this quack on the end of the phone, she happily carries on driving. Gets home and they've got this monkey and her husband, I think it's her third husband, uh, starts talking to this, this monkey like it's a baby. And they cuddle it and... It's a, it's a monkey. And unfortunately, they like climbing trees. This one's not allowed outside, unless it's on a lead and they don't let it climb trees. It's just animal cruelty. But apparently in America, a lot of American states, you can keep monkeys legally. There are 15,000 monkeys in captivity in America. I'm so glad people don't have them over here. I can't think of anything worse. Like, it, it, really, it didn't shock me so much as I just thought, well, they have the baby pageants, they might as well have monkeys on the end of leads and dress them up. I just worried about the couple, this, this woman who, who seriously thought it was a child, and she said, oh, it's, for, it's, it's, you know, it's forever, and, it's, and I'm thinking, you're balmy, you are. You're quite mad as a brush. Anyway, all of that to one side. Hope you had a nice weekend. I did go on Friday, I can't remember if I mentioned where I was going, to the Van Gogh exhibition at the Royal Academy. I've decided to join because I think it's worth it. I've joined Historic Royal Palaces because I think that's well worth joining. For 60 quid a year, you can go to all five Royal Palaces as many times as you like for free and it's, it's worth every penny. And the Royal Academy, you can go to all their exhibitions days in advance and they've got a private members room. You can get a cup of tea and a cup of coffee. And I thought it's worth it because the Van Gogh exhibition, if you're going today, because I think it runs till the 23rd, so it might just run today and tomorrow, it's packed. It's £12 to go in, unless you pre-book your tickets. We queued, John Warrington and I, waiting for the missus, uh, at 20 past nine. We got in at quarter to 11, and it was heaving. And the trouble is, when you're looking at a lot of Van Goghs or Van Goghs, uh, you want to stand in front of it. Well, it's a bit difficult because there's so many people in there. But it takes you through his whole life, 60, 70 pictures in there, paintings, line drawings, all the, all the letters that he sent to friends. He did little drawings next to. So they ca- And I'm sure that Beatrix Potter did the same. I've got this memory of seeing some Beatrix Potter's letters come up with little drawings of Mrs Tiggy Winkle and, and Peter Rabbit and stuff like that. And Van Gogh did the same with women. But they, were, they looked old women... But we then learnt that they weren't. It's just everybody looked old in those days. Pe- average age of people dying would have been... You know, if you lived to 40, it would have been considered quite good. He died in 1890. Things I remembered from it. He died at 37, committed suicide, um, in a mental home. Not famous, but you can see his style changing from the flowers. And then he started doing the swirls. And it became... You, you could see it and go, that's a Van Gogh. It's got some really famous pictures in there, some very famous people have donated their pictures for this exhibition. And it's just, it's just amazing that you're standing next to, within inches, of a Van Gogh, which sadly he never realised at the time just how famous he was going to become. And they've got all sorts of things in there. It's spread into seven different rooms. So you walk through, you see the first ones, the little pen and ink stuff, and then you go through and then they've got some flowers, and John and I would go, that's our favourite, we like that one. But it's heaving in there. It is even. They do have an audio commentary, and they've got the usual gift shop at the end. We didn't buy anything, because some of it, they had the whole letters condensed into books, and it was £400, I think, but it did come with a little trolley. So I, I resisted temptation to do that. But it, it's, it's, it's great to do it. There's so many good things to do in London. And then we went shopping in Fortnum and Mason's, which is where my friend Helen got quite shocked at an Easter egg priced at £45. But it was a lovely Easter egg, and it had little flowers on it made out of icing sugar but it was it was quite stunning and she went 45 pounds i said yeah and then we went down because i love fortnum and masons i like the idea they all wear frock coats 
And it's, it's really posh. I looked at a dressing gown. I saw this dressing gown, and I, I tried to look at things and, and try and guess the price. So I picked up this dressing gown, thinking, that's, that would look nice on me. That would look very nice. And it was £800 for a dress. Well, I've never seen a dressing gown at £800. I'd expect it to come with a person in it for that price. Heather Mills, at the very least. But, uh, but nothing at all. Nothing at all. It was £800. And I thought, how can it be £800? And I don't... Well, I'm just thinking it just needs to be a person in there to sort of warrant the fact you spent 800 quid. Eight, I don't know why I thought Heather Mills. It's only because she's in the paper today. And Prince William's in the paper today. And Jade Goody's mother is in the paper today. And Jeff Brazier's in the paper today. And why are they all in the paper? Because yesterday, or there might have been Saturday, they went to Albin's. This is the funeral director... It's almost a celebrity funeral director now in Bermondsey who did Jade's funeral. A year on, they have a memorial garden next to the funeral director and they invite the family back there and they release balloons and they do time capsules. And they did a time capsule for Jade. So all the people who died on that day all go back and they have a nice little thing. They do doves and they do stuff like that. And there was a time capsule with Jade's hair in, not all of it, a bit of it and something else. Who was not there? Jeff Brazier wasn't there and the children weren't there. And the reason the papers have said is he doesn't want them anywhere near, especially after the revelations over the weekend about Jackie and her shenanigans over in Spain recently. He didn't want that. Also, Jack Tweed was there. And now Jeff has sole custody of the children. He ain't sharing. He's not doing anything. He wants to bring them up the way he knows best, which seems to be the right way. And he obviously decided best to stay away. There's no point in providing a photo opportunity for the press for something that might turn into something perhaps not very pleasant. So he's done his best and he stayed away which is probably the best thing he could have done. Uh, Jack Tweed apparently turned up half an hour late, so they all had to hang around and wait till he turned. Why bother? If you can't turn up on time for your wife's, you know, memorial, don't bloody bother going at all. But he did turn up at the grave later, luckily with a, with a photographer, so that was good. She got a photograph there. They all do it with, with photographers nowadays. Everything, every single thing is a photo opportunity. Every time I open up the paper, there is another group or another person doing something with the press there. And there's one here... And it's, it's nice, but at the same time, I become a bit cynical. And it's JLS who is showing off their caring side with a surprise visit to a children's cancer ward. You know, which is lovely. But they do it with a photographer. And you think, it just becomes a photo opportunity. It doesn't become what you want it. There are loads of people who do loads of things for charity without having to grin into a camera lens. I'm quite sure that the, uh, the young lady here, you know, was very pleased to see them. But again, it's, I'm terribly sorry, we're using you because you're ill, and we're using you as a photo opportunity to show that we're really caring. I mean, did they visit cancer wards before they were JLS? No. Of course they didn't. They do it now because it becomes a photo opportunity. And I then become quite cynical and think, well, even charity now has has a place. It's a shame, really, that they did, in fact... um, Sort of, they come up with the usual thing. They were humbled by the experience. Of course you would be. It's a cancer ward. Mind you, there is a guy in the paper today who's had cancer eight times and survived eight times. But, you know, you get these... I mean, it's, it's lovely, but I just think, couldn't you have done it privately? It would mean far more to me without seeing a photo opportunity. Maybe they do do it privately as well. Yeah. I think you're erring on the side of caution. I don't think people do nowadays. I think if you're in a pop group, the manager says, come on, this is good. You know, let's go and visit Amanda. You know, let's go and visit Amanda at LBC, because we've heard she's not very tall, and we're doing a special thing for little people. And so, you know, and then we stand her on a box, and then, you know, everybody goes, you're not a little person anymore, you're a big person. And big people do big things, you know, like push buttons, like we're going to do now. (laughs) 
These are the headlines. America's healthcare system is being radically overhauled as President Obama's major reforms are voted through overnight. Big questions are being asked about prison security after Ian Huntley was attacked by another prisoner. He's in hospital and will be OK. The British Airways cabin crew strike is into its third and final day. The two sides disagree about the number of people who've reported for work. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. It's Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning uh, to Surrey in the M25. Currently closed anti... Morning, everybody. 17 minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nice to be company. I trust you well this morning. It's just dark outside. I did. I, I got the usual driver this morning. We follow Satnav. So we follow Satnav, which means we go the long, pretty route through Richmond Town Centre, which is lovely. You know, we built a bypass. It's like when I see people cycling on the road on the bypass. I always shout out the window. We built you a cycle lane. Blooming well, use it. Saturday was good, though. Came up to Covent Garden. Did a bit of light perusing. Didn't buy anything, because I can't think of anything worth buying at the moment. I'm just not I'm just not in a buying kind of mood. Ever since computers come back to life, I do think I need to buy another computer. But uh, and every, Darren keeps saying, oh, you've got to get a Mac. And I keep saying, I don't want a Mac. You get Clive Bull's a Mac user. And I always think you get different people. And I just, I've looked at them. I think they look lovely. But I'm thinking, I've had a Dell... And we had a Dell yesterday, which we did in the How Low. Love to know how much that went for. As soon as I find out, Christian will tell me, and then I'll, I shall let you know about it, because uh, most of you like to find out afterwards. And do you remember I mentioned, I've got to save this for, for tomorrow, just in case Alan Dodgen is in, but very kindly, I got sent from... Uh, now, who sent me this in? Oh, I can't remember who it was, actually. I don't know if it is. I, I, it'll come to me later. But it's a lovely couple, normally from Romford, and they went on holiday, and they got the same as I did on the cruise, which is where you come in at night, and they've shaped your towel into a swan or a monkey. And they sent me a photograph of the swan on the bed made out of the towel, as if to prove, because Alan Dodgen, being sneeringly cynical about the whole thing, yeah, right. And I'm going, no, seriously, every night you came in, they'd be arranged in a different shape. Waste of towels. Because all you've got to do is sort of fold them up and hang them back where they came from again. But the funniest was, was the monkey. The fu- Funniest was the monkey. We'll find out how Sam did with the racing later on. And, um, and one here from Jim. Oh, I knew I was going to tell you some gossip, but I can't tell you the gossip now. No. And uh, it says, uh, Dear Sir to Ever Air. Because that's how we do it. We have to say, because you have to sometimes spell your name, because sometimes people don't know how to spell your name. It says, Super Show gets me in the right mood every morning before I have to deal with the general public. Any road, two things. Did you know you're the first LBC presenter to come up when you Google LBC? It's probably because I'm A. For Alan, I'm assuming. I don't know. Is there, is there anybody before me? It's not because I've been here the longest, I don't think. Do you think it's a sympathy vote? Secondly, thank you for introducing me to Come Dine With Me. I'm watching it now, and I'm creasing up. I watched it the other day. It was a woman who'd married a much older man. It must be old programmes I'm getting. And she had this huge house with a kitchen. She had three ovens. Three... S- she had everything. And <laughs> she was a little bit naff. And this ha- it didn't have any warmth in this house. It was a bit... A bit antiseptic. There wasn't enough furniture. There was, you know, she had gaps on her shelves. Sacrilege, as far as I'm concerned. They're sitting in this dining room, and there's just one item on a shelf, and there's two empty shelves. Have you got anything? I thought perhaps they'd just rented it. But then she cooked this meal, which was rubbish. Even with these super-duper rinky-dinky ovens, it couldn't even steam broccoli. Because she's got a steamer built in, and a friend of mine's got one as well, and he goes, oh, it's fantastic for this, you know, and crisp salad up a treat and all this. I'm thinking, oh, who cares? Who cares? At the end of the day, she still served up smoked salmon, and she did beef wellington, which is beef with mushrooms wrapped in a puff pastry, and then somebody will go, um, I'd like mine well done, please. And you think, oh, bugger, I'll have to put, I'll have to cut your bit off and stick it back in the oven again, but which time the pastry then goes hard and it's ruined. And also, all her spinach wilted. Everything was just a disaster. The, the, the dessert was all cream. 
and lemon, and you cannot, after you've had beef wellington, which has got the pastry, huge slab she was cutting off. I thought she's quite clearly never, never cut beef wellington before. It just looked uninteresting with roast potatoes. No, no, no. You know, Dauphinoise potatoes. Cause, and some Aunt Bessie, uh, anything, Yorkshire puddings, anything from Aunt Bessie, we don't care. I'd love to meet her. I bet she's quite horrible. <laughs> you can imagine her in the kitchen, Aunt Bessie. It's like Mr Kipling. I've always wanted to meet Mr Kipling, and I did work for the factory that made me... No, they don't live together. Don't start that rumour. He's very old. He's a... Is she, I wonder if they'll like Mike. No, I think she's a bit younger. Aunt, Aunt Bessie, we think, is a, is a lot... Yeah. Well, strange enough, Colonel Sanders is real. I mean, he actually existed in, in America and did... I don't, well, I think Colonel Sanders must have died donkey shit. I don't think Mr Kipling ever existed because I used to work for a factory where they made Mr Kipling cakes. And <laughs> he didn't actually make them at home. Well, I d- well, because that's what you want to think when he'd say, I wonder if they'll like my new almond slices. And I think, I always imagine Mr Kipling, it must have been the campus thing going, making cakes in the kitchen. And his wife going, what are you doing? And he's going, I'm making cakes. And she's going, I don't think so, love. <laughs> there was another bloke on Come Dine With Me who had a cat. You know, I do like cats, but this one walked on the kitchen table and licked the food before he'd served it. <laughs> Which I thought kind of ruined it a little bit. 84850, uk. There was a, a piece in the paper, and I'm glad that they did it, because I'd mentioned it a while ago, and it's Whatever Happened To... And this was Whatever Happened To Donald Sindon. And Donald Sindon turned up in uh, Judge John Deed. And, in fact, they've just brought out a new box set of Judge John Deed. Now, Donald has been an actor since the 50s. I interviewed him years and years ago, and it shows how long ago it was, because in those days, in the LBC studios, you could smoke. And Donald Sindon, he won't mind me saying this now because I don't think it matters, but he was happily puffing away on a cigarette. And I said, oh, it's nice to see you smoke. He said, I, I don't, dear boy, I don't. And it turned out that the wife didn't know he smoked. And so he didn't want to do it. And I said to him, I said, I said, you're always working, Donald. Why? He said, well, he said, you always think in this business, the acting profession, that this job could be your last. So he said, I then take another one. So it isn't the last, and I think in his whole career, he says in this interview now, he says, in 68 years as an actor, I've only ever had five weeks out of work. Now, sadly, you remember that uh, he was married to the actress Diana Mahoney for 56 years. She died in 2004. Their eldest son, Jeremy Sindon, died in 96, only 45. And his younger son, Mark, is an actor and a producer. Donald Sindon now lives in Kent, and he's 86 years old. 86 years old. He did, and I tried to get hold, Donald, of Never the Twain. What I want is the complete box set. Sadly, they do not make the complete box set. They only do series one. But he's he's very close to uh, to Mark and his four wonderful grandchildren. And he does do a show called An Evening with Donald Sindon which would be very interesting. He's a, he's a lovely man, but Never the Twain was one of my favourite comedy shows, which he did with uh, Windsor Davis. Lovely boy. And it was, it was about two antique stealers, but it was really good stuff. Starting this week on the television, I think you've got, or perhaps it started last night, I can't remember, Over the Rainbow. This is Andrew Lloyd Webber's self-promoting, you know, let's do a programme for me to raise money, for me to put my show on in the West End. Thank you very much indeed, BBC. And so they've got here... Uh, Graham Norton, Sheila Hancock, love Sheila Hancock, Songbird, Charlotte Church, when was the last time she sang? And musicals, oh, Hugh Broom notes, let's eat, lovely boy. Whispering grass, don't tell the trees. Do you remember that, whispering grass? He's good for, oh, right, Hugh Broom knows everybody. I mean, it's just embarrassing. He's, I mean, when, I mean, the trouble is with Hugh Broom, they're so 
intermix their families down there, that wherever you go, you're always related to Hugh Broom. I could probably trace my family tree back and discover that great Aunt Winifred, in 1863, probably married a broom from somewhere. Yes, you're only six steps away from Hugh Broom. How scary is that? And also, that their surname reflects what you used to do. So probably Hugh's family were either sweepers, uh, or fluffers, or they were, they made brooms. Because that's what your name meant. So, in other words, if your name was Tree, it meant that you probably lived in a wood. But Broom, generally, because that's, they'd go, oh, that, that's young Hugh of Broom there. Because the family made brooms. Try and work that out for your own surnames. They still do, people do make brooms, and so that's what it would be. Because they, they would go, young Hugh of Broom there, the family Broom, because they make brooms. Wouldn't sort of come up with, you know, anything else. I could imagine Hugh's... <laughs> family sitting down there, grandmother, mother, Hugh, as a, as a youngster, sitting there making yet another broom to sell to the locals. All the broom family around again, they'll be going, oh, look, here they come. There's Hugh, related to Windsor Davis. You know, they're, they're impressed by things like that. <laughs> oh, dear, what a week it's going to be. Uh, also, the sun this morning. Um, they've got, I was trying to find something interesting. I wish I could find something interesting in, in, in the papers today. Apart from, oh, there's a, there is a very good story which is about a couple called Michael Black and John Morgan. Michael Black and John Morgan are 62 and 56, respectively, and they're gay. They made a big mistake. They turned up to a bed and breakfast. The owner went, you're not having a double room. I don't want people like you. I'm terribly sorry. So she turned them away. She made a remark about her belief. She said that I have refunded their bookings and said, I've held my beliefs for years. I'm not a hotel. This is a private house. Well, not if you're charging people money to stay there. It might be a private house, like like all the bed and breakfasts in Blackpool. They're not owned by a chain. They are private houses, but they're rented out as bed and breakfasts. But I think what Mrs Wilkinson has done is illegal. I don't think you're allowed to go, I'm sorry, don't rent out to Nancy boys, I'm afraid. We don't have uh, you two staying here. And so uh, they've actually reported her for discrimination. It's in Cookham in Berkshire, but strange enough, the website boasts a warm and friendly welcome awaits all. Except if you're gay, I suspect. <laughs> I suspect if you turn up in your Nancy's and you've got a pink outfit on or anything that vaguely resembles Tinky Winky, you're out straight away. But I think it's illegal. In fact, I'm 90% certain. In fact, I'm 100% certain it's illegal. But um, they, they, they wanted a, a double room and she wasn't, she wasn't going to have that. Seems a bit old-fashioned in this day and age, doesn't it? I think, unfortunately, poor Suzanne Wilkinson will probably get a few people going, oh, good for you, don't want that kind of stuff going on, but she's going to be getting an awful lot of bad publicity from people going, well, we don't want to stay at a house uh, like yours where people discriminate, I'm afraid, because if you discriminate against gay people, who else do you discriminate against? And that's, that's what's worrying in this day and age. You cannot do it. You can't just turn... She accepted the booking... You know, I don't see why you should have to say so. You know, it's like somebody turning up and going, well, terribly sorry, one of us has only got one leg. Is that OK? Well, not really, no. We don't want that clattering down the stairs as we're all trying to enjoy breakfast. Dreadful, dreadful. Uh, more on um, Emma Thompson today, because I admitted on the programme yesterday that if you were going to fall in love with somebody, Emma Thompson would be it. And Dale sent me a text saying it's because she's got a nice face. She's got a round face and she, she looks like you would trust her. Well, I certainly would now because she's admitted to hiding new clothes and shoes from her husband, who she admits is quite frugal. For that read, a little bit tight. OK, so in other words, most women do this. And then the husband says, where'd you get those? You get, I've had them for ages. I've had them for... 
Well, I've not seen that dress before. It was at the back of the wardrobe. Look, you can see it's a bit tight. <laughs> you know, trying to make it look a bit bigger. But she, she now pretends that she's bought them in charity shops. They were only a pound, only 75, but you've all done it. Come on, everybody's done it. You know, my mum would say, when did you get that? Mum, I've had that for ages. Having my fingers crossed behind my back, because we all tell fibs at some point in our lives. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk, dot uk, sorry. Weave them all in between now, dot uk. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? It's not. It means it's nearly time for the news. London's biggest conversation. LBC 90s. Morning, everybody. 28, but do you know, every... 20, sorry, 28 minutes to 6. I got so carried away. Because every time I open up the papers, or I turn on the television news, and I listen to the radio, there's always a story about somebody being attacked, or drunken... And I always say, each and every time, please God, as I used to say at the end of Crime Watch, you know, you sleep well and it never happens to you. Because every day I hear stories. There was that poor shopkeeper, do you remember, attacked by those mindless thugs who beat him with a brick. And I remember saying at the time, I hope they bloody well catch you and string you up. Luckily, they've caught some people. Doesn't take too long because nobody just drives into an area and attacks somebody. They generally are local to the area, but it's getting worse and worse. And so if there's one thing that we're going to expect from a government in this day and age, it's a lot more coppers on the street, a lot more coppers, not just a few people, a lot more coppers. You know, offer decent salaries, make sure that they go out in twos and threes so they're protected. I don't even think going out in twos is safe enough nowadays because some people have got no respect for the law whatsoever. You see that quite clearly. June from Epsom says, are the Yanks the most screwed up nation on earth or am I being racist? Some of them are quite mad. Quite mad, I'm afraid. What drives me mad is the way that we as human beings treat animals like substitute humans. Dogs in coats, for example, she says. Do we really need to understand that animals, you know, have to wear things like that? I was once out with my Labrador and somebody stopped me in the pouring rain to ask why I hadn't got a coat for the dog. She said, I said, are you blind or something? Can you not see the dog has a perfectly adequate coat of its own? And incidentally, while you're standing here talking rubbish, it's me that's getting wetter. You see, that is the thing now. You see people dressing dogs. Even poor Nathan Morley does it. Mr Chas has been dressed up in his coat with his little Wellingtons. And I have to say that they're, they're dogs. And they, they, they cope quite nicely. You don't find wolves in the wild sitting huddled in the corner going, blooming cold, blooming cold. <laughs> uh, Andy from Hayes. Says Hugh's nodding in agreement. What would that be? Would that be to, to the broom thing? Or was that something else? Andy. What if you had a good weekend? What, what Andy did for his for his weekend? I always like to I always like to put hidden cameras in people's houses. And it's a strange quirk of mine, I'm afraid, just to find out what they do. Eddie says, So your name indicates your family profession, eh? Guess that explains Bob Dole. It does. And Fanny Fanacapants and all the, all the rest of them. I quite like the idea. What do you mean Mr Kipling wasn't real, says Paul? Not only did he make exceedingly good cakes, he was a dab hand at making toys as well. His alter ego was Inigo Pipkin, who ran a toy shop on television called Pipkins. Funnily enough, Lady Sue Harmer Nichols, a.k.a. Audrey from Coronation Street, worked there as well. And we thought the Rednaps were busy. Can't bear the Rednaps. Even Sue Carroll wrote the other day, pardon me for asking, she said, but what exactly is Louise Redknapp famous for? And the answer is absolutely nothing at all, I'm afraid. Nothing. Uh, Dawn says, uh, towards the end of your show yesterday, somebody pointed out that next week, your Sunday show will start at 7am. Can you tell off whoever decided to do it next weekend for me, please? Because next weekend, the clocks go forward. That will be the equivalent of your show starting at 6am next Sunday, and we'll lose an hour's sleep. Well, you use two, don't you? 
It'll be two hours. So it goes forward, and then I'm back an hour. Oh, no, so it will just be the hour, won't it? Either way, it is... It, um, I wish they'd done it the week after. It would have made it easier for me. <laughs> but especially with the clocks going forward as well. You will remember... What, no, you won't remember. You won't remember to, to do the clocks. I know how you feel on that one, I'm afraid, Dawn. But uh, it's, it's, it, it's much easier to have the shows brought in line with all the other breakfast shows uh, along the week. So Monday to Friday, it runs 7 till 10. And in fact, we used to, on Sunday, run... 7 till 10, and then we changed it 8 to 11, because we thought on Sunday, and we were probably quite right, that most people on a Sunday like to have a lie-in. So we thought 8 is better. But to be honest, by the time I actually get home, it was half the afternoon had vanished. And today I've got to rush home very quickly. So I'm really going to scoot as fast as I can uh, after the programme. Ken says, are you aware that AOL recently came last in a witch magazine survey on customer satisfaction? With a customer satisfaction rating just 31%, they were beaten by Orange... Zen Internet were best at eight. I've never even heard of Zen Internet. Sounds a bit spiritual, doesn't it? Zen Internet. The trouble is, you can always find good and bad in everything. You know, you'll find some people say, "Oh, I'd love, um, you know, to drive a, a Rolls Royce Phantom." And you find somebody on a website somewhere saying, "Do you know, I've had nothing but trouble with this car." You'll always find somebody to write about it. You're never too sure whether you believe them half the time. Uh, Daily Mirror today. Daily Mirror today. On the front page, they've got Ian Huntley, narrowly escaping death. Eighth time he's been attacked in prison. The last time was when he was in Wakefield and uh, he was recovering in the hospital ward from another attack when somebody came in and threw, I think, boiling hot water over him. I can't express any sympathy, I'm afraid, for Mr Huntley whatsoever. Um, I, I really... I, I can't condone it... But on the other hand, I'm sort of thinking these are supposed to be maximum security prisons. They have had people bottled and glassed in there. Mobile phones they seem to collect on, a, on an hourly basis, according to the papers today. So there's obviously uh, a little bit unruliness in there. But, I mean, frankly, I couldn't care less what happens to Ian Huntley. It really makes no difference at all to me. Uh, other stories in the paper today. This is a terrified driver who was shunted sideways by a giant tanker up a motorway uh, for up to a mile, Rona Williams thought she was a goner after her blue Renault Clio became wedged under the 18-wheeler's front bumper at 60 mile an hour. The driver ploughed on, blissfully unaware she was under the front of the... And they've got a picture of it. Well, how this man can't see it, my man's an idiot. A complete idiot. She's picking up the phone and dialing 999 while she shunted sideways and said, I'm going to die, can you do something? Suddenly, the lorry driver realised there was a problem, finally twigged and managed to manoeuvre us onto the hard shoulder. It was ridiculous. He even asked me if I thought he needed to hang around. I told him I did because I'd called the police. He was going to drive off. He was going to drive... He just shunted her for a mile. My God, who's out there driving? Certainly not the BBC, because they've uh, fewer 50s on screen than anybody else on television. You don't see older people on the BBC now. You only see young, fresh-faced people... And they want to see more 50-somethings. Apparently, 20% of presenters and actors on the BBC are over 50, compared to 27% on ITV1. BBC uh, Two were best at 37%. This is after the BBC were accused of axing Arlene Phillips because she was 66 and sticking her on, or sticking or replacing her with Alicia Dixon, who was fine, lovely to look at, but didn't contribute anything to the programme. Uh, the survey was commissioned by the elderly care and home provider... Uh, because people do that nowadays. If you want to get publicity for yourself, you go to an organisation, you go, uh, right, we'd like to conduct a survey, and, and I, I make peanut butter. So I say, Steve Allen's peanut butter commissioned a survey that discovered that 42% of people on the street preferred Steve Allen's squeezy peanut butter as opposed to the stuff you get in the jars. And that's why, uh, 
I like, I like the idea of squeezy peanut butter. I don't know why you're not going for this in a big way. This is the way forward. It wouldn't clog up. This, I'm going forward with this one. I'm sorry. I'm going to push. You watch. Within inside of a year, there'll be a manufacturer making uh, squeezy peanut butter. And it will have Steve Allen's happy, smiling face in it going, Steve Allen, put a smile on your face with his very own peanut butter. Squeezy peanut butter. This is the way for... It will absolutely work. Listen, it works for Primula. It works for Marmite. That's squeezy. And it... But it won't have lumps of peanut. I'll be producing a new smoother peanut. So it will be runnier, slightly runnier than the... <laughs> don't you do peanut butter? See, the trouble is you don't do peanut butter. That's the trouble. Does it make you feel sick? Bit like, bit, bit like my insulin at the moment. <laughs> bit like that. No, I squeezy peanut butter. I think it's great. A pr- it's like Primula. I quite like Primula. I mean, they have toothpaste, don't they? Why don't we just have toothpaste? It's the same. Pe- uh, listen, toothpaste is that when I was younger, you you could buy Ucril toothpaste, which came in a, in a round. You could probably still buy it, actually. There'd be people old enough to remember. And then you take the lid off and peel the paper back and you wet your toothbrush and stick it in there. And they go, like that. Well, it's not just Sometimes you go, depends if the batteries are running down. Oh, look, here she is, Louise Redknapp, out again. Oh, God, does this bird ever actually do a day's work? Or does she not do it? Loads of people were running the other day, including Blue Peter's Helen Skelton, who's getting on my nerves, I'm afraid. We know she's paddled up the Amazon, lovely dear, but frankly, we've had enough of it. Okay, it's charity. Do it, get on with it, give the money, go away. You know, milking it for all it's worth is just dreary, I'm afraid. But Louise Redknapp, oh, here she is again, smiley, smiley, Carol Blumin Smiley, just in a slightly smaller, younger body. Uh, What are you not eating at the moment? You're not eating enough enough vegetables. And you should be, because the prices are at an all-time low, thanks to carrots. Apparently carrots at their cheapest... Oh, I can't bear carrots. I can eat raw carrots, but I'm not keen on cooked carrots. In fact, if I buy a bag that's got different things in it, I take the carrots out, you know. I don't take them all out. I might just have one or two, just to add, you know, if I'm doing Come Dine with me. Just make, sort of added a little bit of interest on it. But I'm not, I'm not big into carrots. But they are good. Oh, look, Marmite's come down in price. No, it's not. It's gone up. It's gone up from 137 to 138. Crikey. Do you know, I went out the other day. I need to go back in and check again today. I bought some beans, a tin of uh, four, four tins of Heinz beans from Iceland. And I thought it said you can buy two packs for three pounds, one pound fifty a pack. But if you just buy one pack, it was, I I got to the till and she went two pounds sixty something. I went, are you sure? And I thought, that seemed a lot for four tins of baked beans. So she said, yes, well, I've had had trouble with this woman before. I've said to her before, no, it's not the price you've got on there. And so I've had to take her over there, because they never believe you. I've obviously got one of these faces. I say, no, it says 32 pence. They go, well, it says 50 on here. I I couldn't care less what it says on there. It's what it says on that. Make up your mind. So, of course, she stands there, and they sort of stare right through me. So I I, I did buy the beans, because I did need them. And luckily, they're sort of slightly sugar-free. So I think that's quite a good... uh, Quite a good thing. And um, another one here. This is uh, lovely. Thank you. All right. You've shrunk, haven't you, over the weekend? Doesn't matter. You're not wearing heels today. Oh, right. (laughs) Barely can open the door, bless her heart. Just stand on tippy toe to reach the handle. Poor soul. Uh, Molten lava. Oh, dear. Reykjavik, I'm afraid. Iceland again. Iceland, most volcanic place that you're ever going to go to. And uh, molten lava sprays. 450 people evacuated from uh, this area, which was about 100 miles south of Reykjavik. It erupted in the 1820s besides uh, a glacier there, 
and scientists are worried in case it causes floods. I don't know if you've ever watched volcanoes erupting or if you've ever got DVDs or videos out or, or seen it all the time. It's the most fantastic thing that you can ever see in your life. I wouldn't want to go anywhere near it, because when Mount St Helens erupted, of course, I mean, the fallout with the, uh, with the lava was just absolutely atrocious. But here, it's these rivers of fire and new islands, and just unbelievable. And if you go to uh, Lanzagrotti, they've got a whole... The, the whole middle of the island is volcano, 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 volcano. And apparently the producer has seen Stromboli in Sicily erupt. I know, I went to see him in concert as well, and he was rubbish. He really had a bad day. He was trying to play his violin. I said, go on, Stromboli, play it. And then they just erupted. It was just hopeless, wasn't it? Dreadful. Uh, a newly discovered galaxy once had a growth spurt, just like gangly footballer Peter Crouch. Interesting, isn't it? Apparently it was uh, in the Milky Way called SMM J2135-0... What the... Why can't they just call them something like Ruth or something? Just call them anything. Well, not Ruth. I don't know why I thought of Ruth, actually. <laughs> Ruth on the brain this morning. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, and the good news is they're casting for Pirates of the Caribbean. But what they don't want are anybody with fake boobs. They have issued a directive to all the casting directors. Only real bosoms are allowed. Um, well, I don't know how they're going to test, but they're going to have to take people's word for it. And strangely enough, there's a woman here says, my fake boobs saved my life. And the reason that her boobs saved her life is because uh, a gunman pulled uh, the trigger on her and her boobs saved her life. I haven't read the full story. I'm just trying to, trying to come to grips with how on earth your boobs actually save your life. But uh, she did do that. But a lot of people have boobs. They say, oh, you know, I needed bigger boobs to do... But they don't want them in Pirates of the Caribbean. They said, no, 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 no. No, real boobs or you're not getting the job. But, as, uh, as the producer very kindly pointed out, how are you going to tell unless you do an examination? But that, as they say, ladies and gentlemen, is Hollywood. These are the headlines. America's healthcare systems being radically overhauled. President Obama's sweeping reforms have been voted through, extending insurance cover to 32 million people who currently can't afford it. The prison officers' union say safety in jails has to be improved after Soham killer Ian Huntley was attacked by a fellow inmate. And day three of the BA cabin crew strike, the managers say nearly all staff turned up to work at Gatwick yesterday and more than half at Heathrow. With the travel... You broom. Thank you very much, Steve. The M25 remains closed anti-clockwise in Surrey. Between Chunk... <laughs> Not the only one, I shouldn't think. <laughs> 13 to 6 is the time. Stephen Harlington says, you're aiming low. Heather Mills. When I was talking about people appearing in my dressing at Why? I thought Heather Mills. I've got no idea. Mark the bailiffs up. Start worrying. Uh, Van Gogh, my favourite artist. Can't afford the book. £300. Must catch the exhibit, Steve. It is, it is well worth catching. It is well worth catching. In fact, the other thing you can do, and it's free, it's £12 to go to the Royal Academy, but is to go to the National, uh, National Gallery here in Trafalgar Square. It is fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. Huge. In fact, go to the National Portrait Gallery first and do the Tudor section. It's just unbelievable. Unreal, the stuff that we've got. Um, Steve, Katie Price up close is a horror, says Dorman Dom. I bet she trowels on the makeup. She described herself this week uh, as as she she put on the uh, the war paint. I said yesterday, and went off to greet Alex, who was being uh, finishing in, in Big Brother, and he won. But quite clearly, as was obvious from the program, she didn't like taking second billing to him, and uh, she did describe it as putting on the drag. So there you go. That was good news. Uh, Donna says I saw a bit of the program with the baby monkey. It was sick, and the couple were pathetic. 
Well, I just, I just don't think you dress little animals up. I'm terribly sorry. I don't, I don't think it's, uh, don't think it's uh, necessary. In this, luckily, not in this country. Although I bet you anything. It might be. Tony says it states Louise Redknapp is a singer and television presenter, known as a member of the girl group Eternal, and subsequently is a solo singer, billed simply as Louise. Well, that's unique then, isn't it? I know, but they are naff. The, the, the Redknapps are naff, and she didn't understand, and Carol Malone had to sort of point out the reason why she is naff. It's because they don't look as though they've ever been on Thomas Cook holiday in their entire lives, I'm afraid. And, and they said because they were paid half a million pounds to do this advert, it's almost an insult to the people who can't even afford a Thomas Cook holiday. You know, that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Uh, Susan Boyle is going to get her birthday present today. Good old Subo. I dreamed a dream. See, I could do it. You know, if you close your eyes, I could almost be Susan Boyle. Four million quid she's going to get. And so she's going to go from council house church volunteer to multimillionaire when she turns only 49 this week. She's only 40... My God, she's an old-looking 49, isn't she? 40... They had the thing on the television. It was one of those... Uh, info commercials where lots of well-known celebrities endorse crackpot makeups and try and convince people like the producer here to buy it because you're going to end up looking like Cindy Crawford because Cindy Crawford uses this makeup that is uh, helped. It's, it's, it's got an ingredient. It's the enzyme of a watermelon, which is only grown in France. And apparently it's really good. And then they show you a picture of a watermelon and how it's not gone crinkly because it's got watermelon in it. And it's got this enzyme and they put it into cream and then... And then they have this woman sitting there going, Cindy, God, you look gorgeous. You really do. Would you like to tell people how old you are? So I'm expecting Cindy Crawford, because I'm obviously a bit old-fashioned, this thing, to come up with the fact she's 65 and she looks good. No, I'm 41, she says. And I thought, oh, God, 41. And then they bring another woman on. And, uh, and she's been using Cindy Crawford's face cream as well. And, they, and they've, they've come up with this thing, which is like a little motor made in China. And you can use it, and it's, it's sort of got a dermabrasion thing. And so you get the, roughly the same effect with sandpaper, girls, OK? You can do it, just a fine sandpaper. Or felling that by an exfoliant, it's much easier. So you buy this thing, and then you do it. And my skin looks unbelievable. They say, and how old are you? And she goes, I'm 42. And I, I was expecting you to say 70. Because I don't, I don't, but I don't really see 41 and 42 as being old and having to worry about this kind of thing. It was, they didn't look young, they looked their age. Cindy Crawford looks, I mean, how long ago this was filmed, I don't know. But she, I thought she was about 45, 50. I'd be more interested if she was 45, 50 and then you can go, yes, you look good. For 41, you're supposed to look good anyway. You're in your, your twilight, you know, not your twilight years, but you're in, you're blossoming. Heavens above, when I was 41, I blossomed. Now I'm... Sorry, when I was 39, I blossomed. <laughs> I'd be blossoming around the coffee machine if it worked, but sadly, since Friday, it's, uh, it's broken. And so the man's been in this morning to repair the broken machine, which is still broken. He said he's still cleaning it, but uh, we haven't had any coffee all weekend because he said we're waiting. Perhaps the, perhaps the man's ordered a part. I thought, well, you're the only man I've ever seen doing it. Perhaps he's ordered the part. And it's, it's a heater. Somebody should have ordered it. So I said, we haven't had any coffee since Friday. Friday morning we didn't have coffee. I said that was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now it's Monday, but he's in cleaning it. But it's got a thing up that says heating element broken. I don't know. I find that worrying. I think we'll have to get a flask or something. Christine Blakely. Oh, you. Has apparently said she doesn't want to go to South Africa because she doesn't want to be a wag. Oh, you so are, though, dear. You so are. You're going out with a footballer. That makes you a wag. And she's going out with Frank Lampard. Oh, Lampy. What? Oh, Lampy. He's lovely, isn't he? He's turned up in a television advert. Can't remember what it was for. And the, and the people go, ah, oh, who is it? It's Frank Lampard. You must remember Frank Lampard. 
Uh, more in the paper today. Naomi Campbell claims Nelson Mandela saved her life. Um, how old do you think Naomi Campbell is? Naomi Campbell is 39. What? See, I had her down for about 46. I mean, she's been around for years of the visit. 39. Isn't that funny? It's obviously a state of mind, isn't it? Oh, here she is. <laughs> Colleen Rooney turned up the other day because she does, she does look a bit like a chipmunk, doesn't she? You can see her doing a Kenneth Williams. <laughs> bit like that. She's a bit Kenneth Williams. And here she is, wrapped in a fake fur coat with her mother, who's a bit, well, let's just say she's, she's not been eating at the salad bar as often as she should have been. And Colleen is outside a salon in Liverpool with her hair in curlers. How naff is that? Who go? listen, unless you're, yeah, but unless you're Hilda Ogden, or you're steeped in the 50s, or you've watched Spring and Port Wine, nobody but nobody, unless you're very common, goes outside with rollers in. They go shopping. I know, I've seen the pictures of people in Liverpool. I mean, it's just dreadful. It's, it's like that, do you remember that woman from, was it Milton Keynes or Luton, who went shopping in her pyjamas? Oh, dear, thank God the supermarket banter, which is good. Uh, Martin reckons, bring out your own brand of squeezy peanut butter. And the slogan could be, squeeze Steve's. Fill in the empty blanks, I suppose. What a lovely idea. I still... I, I think that's a winner. I bet you there'll be people from Waitrose listening to this show now and m going, quick, get in quickly, squeezy peanut butter. You know, and you could do something like Marmite, you either... Lo- Good Lord, where's he wearing glasses? Have you seen this? Look, Steve Hargrave has now... has now developed glasses. Wait, look. Look. <laughs> Steve Hargrave's got glasses. How peculiar. He's never what I've never seen him in glasses before. Good Lord. Well, there you go. Thought I'd mention that now. Oh, and guess who fancies Alex Reed? apart from Jordan, for about five minutes, I should imagine. Yes, apparently, boy George fancies Alex Reed, but only when he's dressed up as Roxanne. I think he's deeply unattractive in, uh, in, uh, in both guises, I'm afraid. And what does he do for a living? He cage fighter, isn't he? How about peanut butter-flavoured toothpaste, says Steve. You see, I think, see, I think that's good, because when I was younger, we used to have... Um, Punch and Judy toothpaste, and that was that was like strawberries, and that was really really good. And then we had, do you remember? It was a cosmetic toothpaste that made your teeth whiter. Uh, how did it make your teeth whiter? It was a red stain, and it made your gums very very red. So consequently, your teeth looked whiter against red gums. And it was a very famous toothpaste. I can't remember which which one it was exactly, but it was good. Elton John's flogging off more stuff. This time, a hundred pairs of shoes for charity. Now, I've said to you before, it's very nice uh, buying somebody's shoes, but you should never wear them. It's like you wouldn't buy somebody else's toothbrush in the same way you do not buy somebody else's shoes. Unless you're just going to put them in a, you know, in, in, on display if they're somebody famous. But you wouldn't want to wear them because each person wears shoes in a particular way. And if you wear somebody else's shoes that they've worn for a while, you could do yourself dreadful damage. Absolutely terrible damage to your feet. So you must be very, very careful. But, but saving them is quite nice. New ride opened the other day, Alton Towers. Who did they drag on? Jennifer Aniston, which was lovely. She turned up with her husband, Rob Tickle, because she's very busy at the moment. And there were a few other people, like Gail... It's not Jennifer Aniston. Sorry, not Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Ellison. Jennifer Ellison. Well, I don't know. They're all the same. They're both called Jennifer. I to help opening the door. And, um... And so they've, uh, so they've got her picture. So they invited all these celebrities up there, including uh, Gail Porter. Apparently Gail Porter's a celebrity. <laughs> it's in her own mind, I should imagine. Um, uh, Mr Kipling also wrote some very good books, says Stephen in Liverpool. I know, under the name Rudyard. We remember very well, thank you. 
Um, James says, I haven't texted you for a while, but I'm still here and I think your show's a fab, as always. Of course you do. You have to say that. I'm still a DJ and I'm starting some new club nights in Essex. And I might be doing a night at the Quebec Marble Arch pretty soon. The Quebec, by God, the Elephant's Graveyard. The Quebec, I think, as far as I remember. Uh, Dee says, I watched a bit of the Jade Goody programme. Uh, Jeff Brazier seems sincere and nice. The mother had a bloke of about 30 years younger slobbering all over her. Yes. Squeezy peanut butter? Yes. See, I'm telling you, I'm on a winner with this one. Tubes of squid... Because then it saves you opening the jar and having to put the thing in and get the knife all dirty. No, you just go... <laughs> it's lovely. What's the matter with you? Uh, Steve, can you tell me where my, what my surname means? It's ratty, says Jill. I can tell you exactly what ratty means. That means that you were a ratter. Your family were ratters, which means that you went around and it was an acknowledged profession. You went around and you caught rats. And some people would take them home and they would cook them. And eat them, as they did in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. You remember that Gino DeCampo caught the rat and they killed and ate it. I personally think that if, um, if, if that man, Colonel Sanders, had discovered rats before chickens, the boxes would have been somewhat smaller. But having a drumstick each wouldn't have been much fun, would it? Little tiny drumsticks. But squeezy peanut butter, the producers, she's warming to it in a, in a strange... I'm feeling ill kind of a way this morning. Stephen Harlington says, oops, only 38 again. We should stop getting... What is it with age nowadays? Actually, I do have an obsession. The older I get, the more of an obsession you have. And you do tend to ask people. You tend to say to somebody, so how old are you? And they go, I'm... And you go, oh, right. You think, I thought you were older than that. But you don't like to say so. It's like when you, you know, the mother's bringing the babies. They go, oh, look, so-and-so. And you want to say, my God, that's unattractive. But you don't. You go, oh, like that. And the baby's lying there thinking, that's another one. It's another one. Another crackpot person. Teddy Chiefs are bracing themselves because over in Emmerdale, there's going to be a flood of complaints. If that woman turned away two gay guys because she didn't want gay people booking into her bed and breakfast, you're going to go crackers for the Emmerdale storyline because mechanic Aaron Livesey, played by Danny Miller, is going to struggle to come to terms with his sexuality. He's going to go to a gay bar in Emmerdale. We all make good decisions and bad decisions, but... Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Monday morning. It's LBC now, 7.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Blooming chilly. Very dark. Very dark. I can't get you. Don't forget, next weekend, the clocks go forward and the programme goes backwards. So from next Sunday, we start Sunday breakfast at 7am. So you m- make sure you've set the, uh, the clocks right for next week. So we spring forward... So you've got the, you lose an hour and then we drop back. It's all over the place, isn't it? But you'll 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 pick it up very quickly. I promise you next week on the program. That's with weekend breakfast. Uh, now, what is what is going to cure obesity? There's always something they come up with, and and this is one. I'm sure I'd heard this before because I thought the Japanese solved this problem because you don't find many overweight Japanese people apart from sumo wrestlers. Most people are actually quite thin. Seaweed. Now, don't think it's the seaweed that you get in the Chinese restaurants, because that's not seaweed, that's cabbage, OK? Because for ages, I remember thinking, hey, seaweed's really exciting, I quite like this. Bit of, bit of grated ginger on the top of it. And I seriously believe for about a year that it was proper seaweed. I remember thinking, on the, on the beach when we had it, we used to pop the little things, you go... And now, then you get... And somebody said, it's cabbage. Deep-fried cabbage. It's really bad for you. It's very fatty. And they sell it, I think one of the supermarkets sells it in a box... You can buy... Why they call it seaweed, I've got no idea. But proper seaweed can reduce fat intake. Don't believe me. Believe all the experts writing in the Express today. 
And they think that you can add seaweed, because you know that the main ingredient of ice cream is seaweed. That's what it is. It's, it's used as a binding agent for some reason. I mean, why it doesn't turn white ice cream green, I have no idea. But seaweed is in there. You can check the ingredients yourself and find out. But they do say that uh, alginate could be used to increase the fibre content of pies, burgers, cakes and other high-fat foods. And that means, they say, that it will enable people to keep eating junk food while enjoying the benefits of healthier alternatives. Unfortunately, I'm still a little bit sceptical. I do think that if you want to lose weight, little and often, and exercise. It's the exercise. I'm not saying you all have to go out running, because there's no point in... You never see happy joggers. You're... The sweat's pouring off them, and they, they always look miserable. They always look miserable, joggers, because it, it can't be good fun. But the benefits are at the end when you go, well, that stomach was worth it. I mean, I've always wanted to be able to see my feet in the shower. It's not, you know, it's not a big deal. I just quite like the idea of being able to see them at some point in my life. You know, when you lie down, you think, oh, that's all right. You know, you can see your feet then. So some people are lucky and they love running. Some people don't like the exercise and some people don't put on an ounce and yet can eat whatever they like. And those are the people that we don't like. But we do like all the people who turned up to the Olivier Awards last night. I think Barbara Windsor went. And, uh, and Scott as well. But uh, well done to Kim Cottrell, because uh, she was there to present a gong at the annual Olivier Awards. She's currently starring in Private Lives, which recently opened to good reviews. That isn't to say they were great reviews, that's to say they were good reviews. Uh, Rachel Weiss beat Juliet Stevenson and Imelda Staunton to win Best Actress... Uh, plus here, um, another one here, Best Actor Award to Mark Rylance for the highly acclaimed Jerusalem. Among those who lost out to Rylance, Jude Law for Hamlet, James McAvoy for Three Days of Rain and James Earl Jones for Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. What was the Audience Award for the most popular show? Wicked! Fantastic. So well done to them. And uh, visitors to the official London Theatre Guide website voted Wicked the winner over Billy Elliot, Phantom of the Opera, War Horse and We Will Rock You. So I bet they're absolutely delighted down there at Wicked. Well done. Kira Knightley received a Supporting Actress nomination for her debut West End stage performance in The Misanthrope, a category which included Hayley Atwell for A View from the Bridge. Meanwhile, and here's another good one that I was pleased about, Melanie C. Roger Foss was a big fan of Melanie C., also known as Sporty Spice, got Best Actress in a Musical uh, for Blood Brothers. Rowan Atkinson in the running for Best Actor in a Musical for his portrayal of Fagin in Oliver. Well done. I did two years on the Laurence Olivier Committee and uh, loved every minute. I did get a bit theatred out towards, towards the end of it. Because <laughs> when you go to the theatre every night, sometimes you go lunchtime and then you go in the evening as well. Which is great if you live in town, but, uh, but not if you have to go every single day. Gordon Moore's toothpaste, says Michael. It was useless. And Viv says it was Gordon Moore's toothpaste. See, I knew you'd know the name of it. I remember the tube because it was quite posh. It looked a bit as if you'd have peanut butter in there. You go, <laughs> Only it was, it was bright red toothpaste and it stained your gums. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think it was any good either, but it was before... And they used to do another thing, whiten your teeth. And what came back was a little bottle of what looked like Tipex. And you Tipex your teeth to make them look white. Look, most of have stuck pieces of paper over them. Height of fashion in some areas of Merseyside, Steve. Sunday shopping in pyjamas, slippers, hair in curlers. Makes me laugh every time. Does sound, sound like, a, like a film or a play, doesn't it, really? Uh, I would like to see Steve Allen's cream of prime tomato soup. Soup in a tube. Can you imagine? I can't like the soup in a tube. I wish they could bottle that. That'd be very good. And, uh, Steve, I'm going to miss you this week, says Jill. I've been nowhere for 15 years, but I'm off to Marrakesh tomorrow for four days. How scary is that? 
Well, it depends what you're doing over there for four days. You're not working in the bazaar, are you? You're one of those nightclubs. You're having to belly dance again, I suppose. She says, you really cheer me up in the morning. But uh, all you have to do, you don't need to miss it. Just need to podcast. Go to lbc.co.uk and podcast. Have a look at the pictures. We did take some pictures on Friday. John Warrington took some pictures of me out and about. I don't think he's sent them in just yet. As far as I know, he's uh, not sent them in. Steve, I've lived in America for years and they've got squeezy peanut butter already. Oh, don't tell me this. We don't think they have. She said, this one says, Terry says it's been, it's called Peter Pan. It's been around a few years. Oh, don't ruin it. I'm thinking it's my invention. I could bring it in, couldn't I? And we could rename it Steve Allen's Squeezy Peanut Butter. I'm surprised we haven't got it. They've got loads of things in America that we don't have. And that would be a particularly good one. Because ideal for kids, you could make little tubes. And then they could take it in their, their, it's only because you don't like peanut butter. You do quite like peanut, but do you like smoothie, smooth peanut butter or, oh, you like crunchy. See, I, I don't like crunchy peanut butter. I'm, I'm more smooth. Oh, I can eat it all the time. And then my favourite is getting little Ritz crackers, squeezing it on, or putting it on there, and then putting another cracker on the top and making a little... Yeah. Che- cheesy Ritz crackers, yeah, with peanut butter. Good luck. I mean, where have you been, woman, for goodness sake? I mean, you're just not adventurous with your food. That's why you're overweight, you see. If, you know, if you were eating properly like me, you'd be as slim and gorgeous as me. Well done to all the people who ran for sport relief the other day. A lot of celebrities uh, there, just to get their fizzogs in the paper. And uh, very well they all did too. I always like to find out whether or not they raise money. Whether or not, you know, I, mean, I know the whole thing raised about 30 million, but how much celebrities raise, or are they just doing it to up their profile? Uh, examples of crazy compensation payouts from Barnet in London. Trousers damaged whilst dry cleaning, £3.95. See, I think that's fair enough. But if you know if you lose items in the dry cleaners, you claim on your home insurance. For that, I've had that before, years and years ago. Sheffield, paving defect, £13. City of London, bruise, £16. This is where, you know, people have actually gone to council bosses and said, well, I want some more money. Hit head on low sign in Cheltenham, £10 compensation. I think people deliberately go out and look for things. They think, I I think I'll go out, actually, and I'll... Oh, look, I've just banged my head on a sign, or I've tripped over a pavement. In Mansfield, they got 20 quid for a damaged garden ornament, and in Canterbury, they coughed up £20 for a damaged shoe. A damaged shoe. Don't you worry about that. I worry that the the amount of money people claim now in this country has only, you know, superseded, I'm afraid, by the amount of money that they claim in America. Quarter past six, the headlines with Sam Pittis. Good morning, Steve. Opposition parties will table parliamentary... Still to come, the latest American cake craze to hit the country. And Stephen Bridlington says, click on Skippy Squeeze Sticks or Skippy Squeeze It and hey presto, peanut butter in a tube. Simples. Or whatever they do. I can't make that. I wish I could make the noise, actually. Make it so much easier. Anyway, here she is, joining us from... I'm not sure where she is, but it's probably pretty dark, I should imagine, for Susan Spence this morning. Morning! Morning, how are you? Oh, it's a very good line. I think I am at the back of Beyond or something. Well, I, well, I mean, I, I get really bad lines in different parts of the country. <laughs> but, uh, so, at least from home, we've, we've got you and you're sounding good this morning. Now, I have to say that I watched EastEnders the other day and I was a bit worried... Oh, why? Because it was snowing. And I rushed oh, to look outside, and there was no snow. I know. It was that couple of weeks, wasn't it, where we got a flurry yes. of snow, and, of course, they had to continue filming. <laughs> it was and the it funniest ever. it looked very step. bizarre, didn't it? It does look strange. There they were, walking through the market, and the snow's coming down, and I'm thinking, it's so funny, because they can't do anything about no. it. 
No, the, 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 they can, as you say, make sure that the flowers are the right ones for the season yes. and all of that kind of thing. But if it snows, there's nothing they can do. <laughs> and it does look really silly in EastEnders as opposed to somewhere like Emmerdale where, of course, you would expect it to snow. Yes, yes. Um, talking of Emmerdale, did you, have, you, have you seen it? Did you watch Thursdays and Fridays? No, no I didn't. She drugged him. <gasps> she drugged him and there's this whole storyline now of date rape. Oh, Lord. I know, I, we did speak about this last week that yes. kind of thought that something strange might happen, but it, it's kind of an unusual storyline that, um, that Emmerdale have touched on, but it really was very sinister. They're very brave. Yeah, they are, they are, and it was, it was very sinister, and both of them played it very well. But of course now, you know, this coming week, poor Ashley's completely beside himself. He doesn't know what happened with her, what she's going to do next, whether Laurel will find out, and he goes to the police. And then, of course, he gets cold feet because they're, like, asking him all these strange questions and he really feels stupid. Um, and so he sort of retracts his statement and goes away. But the following week, it will all um, hit the, hit the, uh, the you-know-what and um, he will be, um, he'll have to confess to Laurel. So where it goes from there, we'll wait and see. But it, it was, was very well done. But Sally's not finished yet, so another couple of weeks and then she'll be she'll be finished, but it was very, very sinister. Mm. Well, it's, it's um, all going to happen. The, the papers are saying that they're going to court controversy with their gay storyline. Well, that's the other big storyline for this for this week, and, it, well, as you know, I, I think this is a great storyline, because I think Danny Miller is a, a really good little actor. Mm. But, yeah, this is tonight is the night where he, he goes into a gay bar for the very first time. He's been plucking up courage for the last Have 10 Have they built a gay so. bar set, then? Or? <laughs> uh, no, I think they've just taken somewhere from, from Leeds. And oh, maybe right. put a different facade on the front of it. Right. Um, but they're out and about in Leeds because they've, they've been doing a bit of outside filming. Oh. And so they go into this bar. He goes into this bar, meets this guy, basically gets cold feet and runs away. He leaves his mobile. And this chap, and I don't know how he does it, but he tracks him down to Emmerdale. And, of course, Aaron's just, like, thinking, oh, no, he's going to tell Paddy. <laughs> and it all comes to a head at the end of the week where Paddy pretty much gets the wrong idea. He thinks this guy's dealing drugs, then finds out where he's gone and thinks, ah... And he confronts them about it, and that's when basically Aaron kicks his head in. Um, oh, <laughs> no, what Paddy's? Poor, poor, yeah, poor Paddy's left on the floor, completely oh, covered in uh, in blood. Dear. Um, so yeah, so um, it's again that's the kind of Thursday Friday storyline you might want to watch. But it then and then Aaron runs away. Um, but Paddy's very good; he keeps his secret. Well, he doesn't much course, run as skip. <laughs> he skips away. Yeah. Skips so, away. Um, yeah, so it's it's a really good storyline. Oh, it's poor Paddy! Run it. I want it. Well, I know, but you know, at least he gets rid of that yeah. funny hair that he mucks up his hair. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> like so. He's, I, I'm head. still convinced that this other bloke who he used to go out with with the sister. I'm convinced that those two will actually get together. Well, that would be nice. That would be nice. Then you wonder if he's protesting too much, Adam. Mm. Um, as, as to whether or not, but no, I don't think so. I think he was that was the start of it that allowed them to get into the storyline right. and build it up a bit, give her as a, being a bit of a camouflage, a decoy, and then it's now really pretty much all about him. I don't, to my knowledge, Adam won't be involved in this to any major extent. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a good storyline and, and uh, it'll run for, for a good while to come mm. as well. Um, Friday in EastEnders is, is what they call a double hander which is purely between Stacey and Max. And you get to find out exactly why Stacey murdered Archie Mitchell. But, of course, the big question is, will Max shop her to the police? Because, of course, at the end of the day, it was her son who di- his son who died. Mm. So that's worth watching, because double-handers, EastEnders, it's one thing they do do very well, is when they just do two actors together 
purely them and nobody else in, in the in the scene for a whole half hour. We don't like Max. Would you not? No. Oh, why? Don't know. Just don't. Just 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 a bit creepy. Um, well, yeah, but well, he's a great character, and Jake Wood who plays him, I think, is really good. But yeah, mm. I'm looking forward to Friday's Friday's episode. I was more um, worried when when Roxy comes back to take over the beauty parlour. Oh yeah, she's, she's going to call it Roxy's Beauty Salon. Yeah, terribly original there. Obviously, the one who wasn't given the brains in the family. <laughs> she's the one that's turned into a minoid ever since she's got all that money. She's turned into a witch. I know. She really is. It's like you take the money away from her. She was quite a nice character before, but now it's all gone to With her the head. the money, she's awful. Yeah, she is, yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know if you saw it on Thursday night, because obviously there wasn't one on Friday because it was sport relief. But um, oh, wasn't it just... Phil, Phil's long-lost daughter, you know, Louise, that he had years upon years ago, mm. um, he comes face-to-face with her tonight, and then he realises that Ronnie's known all about it. But, of course, the poor girl gets taken into by social services because her mother basically dumped her in the square. And social services are like, well, there's no way you can just, like, leave a child and uh, obviously running around London. So she gets taken into care and Phil's got to try and get her out of care. But, of course, he hasn't banked on the fact that Ben, his son, isn't very keen on another little one gate-crashing the party and uh, taking the affections of his dad. Not that you ever see Phil Mitchell giving his son much affection, admittedly. Mm. Um, So this girl appears. um, And it's a case of, well, what will he do and all these children that Phil Mitchell has coming out of the woodwork? Um, and the, the other thing which I think is a really sad storyline coming up, and that is that um, Lucy, who's pregnant and was going to have the baby for Jane, um, she concocts a plan with Ian, and they plan to have a termination. But, of course, they lie to Jane and say that she's had a miscarriage. And, of course, poor Jane's none the wiser, and she's expecting her to have given birth to this little baby so that she could then bring it up as her own. So there's going to be a real problem when, when Jane finds out because... Um, you know, especially because they've lied and concocted this story. She was... Hot, the, the other day when I was watching poor, poor Jane, who's... Uh, uh, the, because the, the daughter is, is pregnant. Yeah. And the daughter's been followed home from school and they've called her all sorts of names. And then the Indian lady... Uh, Zainab, yeah. Yeah, has been terribly rude to her and sort of going... In fact, she was quite naughty and I'm going, yeah, so what about your gay son? What about your gay son? You're not so perfect family yourself. Well, exactly, but that's oh, the thing, because that storyline will happen, yeah. you know... In the next, well, it could probably carry on in the next couple of months because mm. one of the main characters in that storyline does leave quite soon. She's Priya. She's filmed her last scenes. The, the one who he's married to, um, she leaves. So right. of course, Zainab's um, world is going to start tumbling down bit by Mother bit. But horrible. yeah, I know she was so for n- no reason whatsoever. Quite nasty. That she dislikes it. There's all that rivalry. They hate each other. But I feel so sorry for Jane, and she is going to go mental when she finds out that they lied to her. Yes. Yeah. Um, and very quickly, finally, in, in, in Correlation Street, poor Gail doesn't get bail. Uh, she's told that her ca- case won't go to court for another two months. They won't let her out, so she's got to stay in jail yes. for that time. Good. As far as we're all concerned around here, leave her in there. Oh, We've you had don't enough like her. Of her. Oh, I've got a T-shirt saying Free Gail. Oh, you have not. <laughs> Tell me you've not. <laughs> Tell me you've not. No, I've not, but I thought I might get some printed out. Oh, no. Do you know, to be <laughs> honest with you, this woman has suffered for the country. I, I mean, she's had husbands, she's lost husbands, she's had husbands murdered, she's not had husbands murdered. I mean, it's just too true. How she's living, I've got no idea. I know, and it will only get worse for her in that little cell yes. when she meets her cellmate. Good. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's Tracy, isn't it? Well, yeah, eventually it's Tracy, <gasps> but she's in with somebody else at the moment, but yeah, it will be Tracy. And of course, Gail does that very sad face so very well. 
Oh, yes, she does. She's got the, the, the hung dog look. Yes. Well, she's had tea. so many opportunities because it's her normal <laughs> face. <laughs> no acting involved. Gail oh, looks miserable. And oh, then there was a story, I don't know if you saw it yesterday in the papers, that there's a new producer coming into EastEnders and mm. they were saying that he was going to axe uh, up to 12 people. Yeah. Uh, and they were saying, they, they were alluding to the fact that it, it would be established characters and they, they mentioned people who were just coming back in it again. Yeah, I thought that was a bit strange. It's a very odd story. Was, yeah, he was going to act 12, um, yeah. but they only mentioned two people who'd just come back in. So yeah. I think that's a story that somebody's picked up from somewhere, not sure of its accuracy or its contents, so have just printed it anyway mm -hmm. to cover themselves. But people like Dean Gaffney, of course, who came in as, oh, I can't remember what his character's name is because he's not been in it much. Has he? Robbie. He popped in for the, Robbie. Robbie. He only popped yeah. in for the wedding, bless him. I yes. like him. I'd like him to stay. But they mentioned him, and I thought, well, he only was, like, in for, like, two episodes. Mm. So that didn't really seem... But, yeah, the guy that's the new producer is ex-Hollyoaks. And he's quite renowned for being the hatchet man. Right. Well, they, they've so, had this before. We, we, we've seen hatchet men coming into Emmerdale and coming into uh, Coronation Street, and they've all come in and, and done their bit. You have to leave the central characters. You can mm. axe bits around there. And I said yesterday, I don't think necessarily we're interested in seeing... Um, Cat back and Shane, people like that. that. That's what they did years ago. Let's just try and move forwards. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think, I don't think it's a good idea to bring those characters no. back. I, I wish they would leave well alone because, mm. you know, there is enough acting talent yes. in all of these shows without having to bring, you know, go back to the, you know, heart back to the bygone days. Because, yeah, they were great in their time, but mm. things move on. Absolutely. And we have to move on as well, <laughs> so we'll say uh, thank you very much. You're welcome. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, see you next week, Steve. Take care. Bye. Lovely. Susan Spence up there. Still to come, the latest American cake craze to take Britain by storm. It could rival the cupcake. Details in a minute. LBC 97.3 Actually, in a recent survey, most people want a bigger bust. Which came up, and it's strange enough, having been told that Pirates of the Caribbean only want natural busts, they don't want anybody surgically enhanced, now it turns out a survey that says that uh, one in four men want their partners to follow the example of surgically enhanced stars and have their bust increased. Dear me, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, it's funny how we did in the, uh, the racing, and Alex says another racing virgin starts with a winner. And Sam's was a good price, because uh, you had a winner, Sam. Oh, well, there you go. See, I backed it to win. I wasn't messing about. You absolutely did. You won at six to one. Your profit was £12. There you go. Which wiped out the debt. So your total profit, 87p. Oh, there you go. I retire now. That's it. Uh, that's it. If, I, that. I, if I was you, I, I would quit. <laughs> yeah. That's very good. I think that's the phrase, quit while in your head, isn't it? That's where it comes yeah. from, I think. A a Alex, unfortunately, had Takari, which came 11th right. out of 28, so he lost £2. Still total profit, though, £15.95. So we're looking for something spectacular from you today. He's gone for the 550 at Wolverhampton. Cheery Cat, win only. Let's hope it's cheery for him, eh? Yes. Uh, well, uh, as you say, Wolverhampton Racing at Wolverhampton, Kelso and Plumpton, and I've plumped for Plumpton. Oh, good. Uh, our tip to the day is uh, uh, Coupe Royale. Uh, that's a 2.30 at Plumpton, and uh, that's uh, the one I'm going for after my success on Friday. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a win again. I'll go for a win again. Sounds like a drink, doesn't it? Coupe Royale. <laughs> it does. It sounds like some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, fancy cocktail. But I'm Yes. Not... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for a win. I think uh, I think I've got to be I've got to be bold after this success sure. on Friday. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's it. No, no, I, I, I wouldn't want to sway you if, if if it's not you know in your inclination. You don't have to do it. So after yesterday or Friday, very good six to one. That was very very good. 
So, well done. Let's hope you can keep it up all week. Indeed, that's, uh, that's certainly my aim, to keep it up all week. Yep, and you, and you, do, you do get a prize today. Really? Oh, well, this is different. I didn't realise this. If I'd known this. Well. Yeah, you can have a prize. And the, and the prize is, is porridge or a Mars bar. Well, do you know, I'm going to go for porridge, actually. Just okay. something filling. I want something filling this morning. I'm not sure that... Uh, oh, well, a Mars bar that... could be more filling. Yeah, maybe. I, I think the porridge will see me through the morning. Okay. Well, it's, you have to make it yourself. It just comes in a little pot. That's not really a prize, is it, in many ways? Just a sort of a sachet of porridge. Well, it's, no, no, it's not a sachet. It's, it's a tub. But I've got to make it myself. Oh, yes, you have to... Well, what do you think I'm going to do, make it for you? Well, it's not exactly well, a Well, have, have a Mars bar, then. My prize is to make my breakfast. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you for that. Well, you can have a Mars bar. Yeah, that's fine. I'll go with the porridge. I'll OK, well, I shall make sure that the uh, the producer goes to the cupboard and takes out a porridge for you, and then uh, you, you, you take it to the kitchen and follow the instructions. I'm touched. Thank you. Good. So... So we have, uh, we have another winner, and we celebrate on LBC. Thank you, Sam. We'll talk tomorrow morning. Cheers, Steve. Excellent. Dawn says, I've been assuming that Steve Hargraves usually wears contact lenses for TV appearances, because she's seen him on YouTube wearing glasses before. I've never seen him wearing glasses. I don't think I had, anyway. So, um, well done to, uh, to Sam for his winner. Nick Ferrari, after the news at seven this morning. Daniel Barnett, an employment law barrister. And uh, he'll be looking through the papers. They're talking about the senior MPs filmed, apparently, offering their services for cash. Nick asks how this could happen. It's easy to convince them, isn't it? Following the expenses scandal, many thought our politicians couldn't go any lower. Are they even more corrupt than we thought? Plus tax inspectors using a computer game to learn how to value our homes. They do that. They do drive pasts now to, to see how much they're, uh, they're worth. They're going to be talking to uh, the council tax computer game. Is it a joke or not? And art classes, middle class or not? It's in Hackney. And uh, they'll be talking to Martin Bell, the former broadcaster, war reporter and former independent politician, on the lobbying and can MPs actually get any lower. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven this morning. Alicia in Sunningdale celebrates a birthday today. Lots of love from Mum Joan. She had sent one email but forgot to say the birthday was today. So there you go, Alicia. Enjoy. Enjoy. And here it is, the latest American cake craze. After we had everybody going ballistic for cupcakes. And I'm not a great cupcake eater... As a child, I would have been, because it was a little sponge cake with icing on the top. And if you're very lucky, my mum used to make butterfly cakes, which means you cut the little round bit in the middle, cut it in half, put some cream in, and then stick the two things in with a splodge of jam. But this time, it's the cream-filmed whoopie pie. These whoopie pies uh, have been an unexpected sellout since making their debut in Harrods. They've drafted in extra bakers to make them. They cost £2.50 which is about the same price as you would pay for an expensive cupcake. And it's two layers of cookie-like dough, sandwiched, sandwiched with cream and with a fondant glaze. I mean, it's, it's OK. Apparently, Marks and Spencer are planning to launch their own pies later this year. It's the cream bit, isn't it? It's a bit like... It's, it's, it looks like a cream cake with this shiny icing on the top, this fondant glaze, and then a couple of little coloured things on there. Uh, whoopie pies have been an unprecedented hit. They were first developed in New England. And it is said that the name originated from farmers shouting for joy if they were in their packed lunch. Oh, whoopee, we've got a pie. Doesn't quite sound believable, does it? Uh, farmers shouting for joy if they get one in there. Whoopee, I've got a pie in my Tupperware box. Doesn't sound at all believe. What you got in your box, Jake? Whoopee! I've got a pie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'll buy anything nowadays. You can see me as a farmer, can't you? With a straw at the side. Farmer Alan. I've seen that advert on the television where it's sort of a lot of people from the city going onto a farm. And it does, it does bring back memories. 
I was having memories the other day with Julie Peasgood of crunching through the snow. Having seen the snow on East Enders and watching people and remembering as a child being dropped off on the school bus as the light was dropping in the middle of Yorkshire, freezing cold in the winter, and trudging down a lane in your Wellington boots, crunching in the snow. And you didn't see anybody at all. There was no cars. There was no nothing. You could walk from the bus stop to home about a mile and not see anybody. You wouldn't see anybody at all. You'd just crunch, crunch, crunch. And then a little bit of... And then sometimes you'd go past a tree and you'd shake it and all the snow would come off. And you'd laugh to yourself. After that, I got sectioned, I'm afraid. It was, it was all a little bit... Dr- What's he doing? Shaking trees again. Whoopee! I've got a pie in my lunchbox. It just... Uh, I don't think they look very exciting. I think cream cakes look marginally more exciting. Bird numbers have been hit by the winter freeze. Especially round. Albert Square, I should imagine. Most popular bird that you've seen is the blackbird. They've asked school children to write down the birds that they see. Most people can't identify them. I can do a blackbird, a starling, a wood pigeon, a house sparrow, which you don't see many of, but it is the fourth most popular bird in this country. Um, a blue tit is the next. And then further down, robins at number nine, whereas all I see are robins. All I see are robins. Feral pigeons are just about everywhere because they seem to survive. You know, I mean, you, you could practically gas these things and they still come back for more. They don't, they just, you know, you can, you see them in the road. You drive and you think, oh, I've run over it, I've run over it. You look in the mirror and it's still there pecking on the road. They're just laughing at us, I'm afraid. But uh, at number 20, the most popular uh, sighting in this country is the long-tailed tit. And apparently there's been a lot of tits that have been sighted by the school children. And I think it's quite good that they do make these round our way, of course. Not only have we got robins, we've got these parakeets everywhere. And by God, you can hear them. I don't care what anybody says when they say, oh, you can't tell the difference. A, they're, they're a lot bigger than you think they are. And, uh, oh, we've got 20,000 parakeets around our way. There's a flock. There's a swarm. There's whatever they call it. Rumoured to have come years ago when they filmed, um, I think, The African Queen, parts of which were done in Isleworth. And apparently a few parakeets got out. They've survived. And now there's a swarm of about 20,000, which come over the, right over the top of my place every morning. And the noise... And you see them on people's bird tables. They're very pretty. Very pretty, but some people absolutely hate them. Absolutely hate them. There was a picture in the paper yesterday of Jason King, Peter Wingard. Because now he's 76. He slipped into obscurity years ago. When they brought out, I remember, Jason King in Department S. He was in Department S. Then he came out um, in... Uh, Jason King, his own series, and he was very suave and sophisticated, and they re-released the box set some years ago, and he was doing interviews, but he wouldn't do them in person. He would do the interview down the phone, complete, he said, with chink of champagne glass, because that's what Jason King uh, did, and they were... He was pictured the other day, out near his home in West London, 76 now. He used to be the height of fashion, and they're now saying his fashion sense clearly deserted him a long time ago. He's 76, for goodness sake. What do you think? People look exactly... I'd like to see what David Pilditch looks like from his early pictures. He's the journalist who wrote the article in The Express. I'd like to see what what he looked like all those years ago and what he looks like now. And I should imagine he probably looks a darn sight worse. Uh, Will you be growing strawberries this year, says Phil, or getting a squeezy version? I like the idea of jam in a tube. Jam in a tube. See, there's another one. You see, not only having my success with peanut butter in this country, because you can't buy it here, might be to get it in America... But I haven't, I haven't actually made it or sold it yet, but I'm thinking about it. But now I'm thinking squeezy jam in a tube. And making little ones for kids. You can have strawberry, uh, banana jam. You see, I quite like that for little kids. And then they can go at school. And then they can have a little one of peanut butter. And then you can do a whole range of miniature ones. You can have all the jams, Marmite, and then peanut butter. And then you could have squeezy banana. 
in a tube. I think, and butter in a tube. See, I think I've hit on a winning thing here. I, th- I think this is a win- I'm patenting it very, very quickly. Uh, Coronation Street, no jail for Gale t-shirts. Laugh out loud. Do you remember Kunzel cakes? I do remember Kunzel cakes. Uh, if I remember rightly, they had a little chocolate case and a lovely filling. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what they were. I just remember them being chocolate with sort of something in the middle of it. What it was, I've got no idea. Cheery Cat to win only, Steve, to win. You know what's going to happen there, don't you? Well, I'm, 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 I'm erring on the side of caution with, with Sam. I'm sort of thinking, listen, he's had one winner. He might get complacent. He might get complacent, and then he might, he might sort of think, well, I, I can definitely do this again. Definitely do this again. <laughs> I like this. Coronation Street tongue twister. Daily Mail regales jail tale as pale gales bail fails. That's a very good one, Ian. Give it to you one more time. Daily Mail regales jail tale as pale gales bail fails. Try saying that very quickly. Luckily, I'm an expert. Quarter to seven. News headlines, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Ministers are to face questions in Parliament over claims that several... Paul in Manchester says, same as yourself, 38 and a quarter. You mentioned volcanoes erupting. Do you remember that new island which was formed when one erupted underwater in Iceland? I think it was called Heine or something similar, a good few years ago. And you mentioned Donastel, who sang Whispering Grass, sadly no longer with us, but lived up the road from us in Levenshume, also home to a well-known biscuit factory. I used to visit, visit regularly, stay at Burnage and go visit the biscuit factory, and also the birthplace of the fabulous Gwyneth Powell, also known as Mrs McCluskey from Grange Hill. Uh, in a home, in answer to your last question... In a home. Well done to Albert Goubet. Albert Goubet is 82. He made a deal with God to give away a lot of his money. If he became successful, he said he would give away a lot of his money uh, if he became rich. He did become very rich. Albert Goubet founded Quicksave. He is giving away £470 million to the Catholic Church. You may think this is probably not the best time to give money to the Catholic Church, seeing as the Pope has made his apology, but for all those who suffered abuse at the hands of priests in Ireland are saying it's not enough. But for Mr Goubet, he's only kept £10 million for himself. The rest, he's given up £470 million to the Church. Not bad. I think Lord Sainsbury became the first Briton to donate a billion pounds to charity last year. And uh, Philip Beresford, the editor of the Sunday Times Rich List, said, Britain's seeing a new type of super donor. For some, uh, giving away is the main goal in having a fortune. Isn't that absolutely phenomenal that somebody would do that? I find it absolutely unbelievable. But it's, it's going to go to a foundation. He's ordered that half its income be spent on Catholic projects, the rest at the trustees' discretion. But he's keeping himself £10 million. We've got 470 what a generous person. Everybody's telling me about this squeeze. Apparently you can buy squeezy jam in tubes. Another idea gone down the swanny. Darren says it's on sale. Deborah says Hartley sells squeezy jam. And Pete says it's the uh, squeezy jam by Hartley's. And Rob says you can get squeezy jam in Bentles, USA food racks. I'll look for peanut butter when I go to see the in-laws in Illinois. Thank you. Everybody's telling me that Hartleys do squeezy jam. Don't get excited about your squeezy peanut butter for lunchboxes. I bet, Steve, it'll be banned from school under health and safety. They've already banned squeezy cheese at my son's school. Squeezy cheese has been banned. 
<laughs> and Sue says, they do sell jam in a tube. Problem is, it doesn't squeeze out easily. I got mine in Tesco's. And Leslie says, we've got masses of parakeets in Bromley, making a racket every day. Maybe they're the new sparrow. I don't see sparrows at all now. I just don't... I, one time I would see them all over the place. I see blasted pigeons. I see rooks and crows. Round our way, they seem to have taken over. And, uh, and then these, these parakeets, which I quite like. Oh, look, Tess Daly's out. Still trying to sell that book of hers, which isn't going very well, I'm afraid. This is The Baby Diaries. I did watch the other day. I did feel a bit embarrassed that anybody would have to appear on Celebrity Mr and Mrs. I didn't realise just how awful the programme was, because it's, it's got um, Vernon Kay doing it, who's too tall to be a television host. I'm sorry about that. I don't care about the tech side of it. I just think a little bit too tall to be send, you know, to be leaning over. And they had on some bloke who I think worked for some sports channel, Colin somebody, and on the other side, and I was, I thought, how the mighty have fallen, Esther Ranson was having to do Celebrity Mr and Mrs, which is neither Mr and Mrs or Celebrities. It was just a feeble type of a game show. Wearing, I don't know what she was wearing, a wholly inappropriate outfit. Probably nice if you're going out for dinner at the Ivy on a, on a Saturday night with all the people from Essex. But uh, the rest of the time, you would wear this for a wedding or something. You wouldn't wear it on television. It wasn't a television outfit. And then I watched Ant and Deck. It just doesn't work. There's little bits taken from other shows, and those bits worked for other shows, but they, they didn't work for Ant and Deck. And I know they desperately pleaded with their fans not to desert them. But the show just isn't working for me at all. They've, they've taken the best bits of quiz shows and they've reformatted it. And they've made people learn things, which is what they did on show ages ago, where somebody went away. And I remember one of them, they had to learn 42 cows' names by looking at a photograph of them. Because each cow, I know they might all look the same to you, a bit like sheep, but they're all individual, and cows especially. And this person had to come back. The other day we had a very large woman and a slightly slimmer, slimmer woman learning how to... Uh, twirl a bit of ribbon on a stick, which was quite nice. But th- one of them was playing it for laughs, and she didn't win, because the public are bored with these people now. And the other one was, was quite good. And strangely enough, the woman who couldn't twirl the stick or balance a ball or throw it in the air and catch it, although I think she did once, uh, her husband, I think, or father, was a, a cab driver, a licensed cab driver. And he couldn't remember anything. He couldn't remember who had the most money, who was what. He was hopeless. I thought, they always remember when you're giving them a tip, don't they, at the end... Excuse me, sir, I think you've uh, missed something here. I think I've given you ten pence. How much do you want, for goodness sake? You didn't exactly get out of the cab and open the door for me. <laughs> I like that. Um, Naomi Campbell says, I hated my own face. And uh, she says uh, she hooked on cocaine to get over the fact she hated her own face. I didn't like my face either, Naomi, but I never ever turned to drugs, I'm afraid. What is it with these people nowadays? There's so many weak people now. They can't do anything, can they? I had to turn to drink. I've noticed that Amanda de Cadenet, you remember Amanda de Cadenet from years ago, then she went to live in America, and then she disappeared. Well, she's just revealed that uh, she was not only bullied, but she was abused. And uh, so she set up a website. I thought that's the, that's the tagline there. She set up a website for other women. I think people after a while run out of time. We were all bullied. I've said before, every single person was bullied at some point, whether it's at work or at home or at school or just anywhere now. Even in church you can be bullied and people get bullied and it takes all forms. So I don't believe it when people say, oh, I was bullied because we were all done. It was, we were all bullied at school. You're either too short, too fat, too freckly, specky four eyes... There was everything. Couldn't run at school, you know, you're a bit pigeon-toed. Couldn't do games, couldn't swim. I mean, I was particularly good at all of these things. I did try. 
Right, Skippy Squeeze It Peanut Butter. Oh, blast, it does exist. Thank you, Vincent. I don't want... I really... It's ruined my day today. I was hoping that this this, this could be, uh, you know, something new. Family Fortunes, says Paul in Manchester. That was Mr... Not Mr and Mrs, sorry, it was Family... Fo- celebrity Family Fortune. See, I get confused, because I've seen the other one where they bring on Mr and Mrs, and most of them turn out not to be married. Which, which makes a mockery of calling the programme Mr and Mrs, doesn't it? Well, that's what I always think, anyway. So, I think there's enough stories there to keep you going for today. The, uh, the gay couple who turned up to the bed and breakfast and were turned away because she said she didn't want people like that staying there. I think that story could run. And, and a quarter of men prefer fake boobs to natural ones, so says a new survey. Don't think that's true either. Don't think that's true. Susan Boyle's going to get her £4 million, which is good. But then, as I said before, she's going to be having to pay tax on that. And, uh, and that will, could be up to, uh, up to 40% or 50%. My favourite Coronation Street tongue twister from Ian. Daily Mail regales jail tale as pale gales bail fails. We'll get everybody going today. Might even put that in the blog a little bit later on. I'm not too sure, actually. I'll see how we go. Listen, uh, don't forget to go to the LBC website, and you can learn how to podcast. Thousands upon thousands of people do every day, and it makes their life much, much easier. If you're going on holiday, you think, oh, I'm going to... Uh, I can take some podcasts with me, so you can spend a happy few days downloading everything. Thank you for telling me that now we can get squeezy peanut butter, and there is squeezy jam, so it's another avenue of pleasure denied me this Monday morning. We're back tomorrow, hopefully with Alan Dodgen, and I can show him the picture of the folded towel on the bed. Nick Ferrari's with you after the news at seven this morning. Keep your radio tuned to LBC 97.3. You will not be disappointed. Here's this morning's business update now with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open later after closing up seven